On the show today, Rich and I discuss tips for a great 4th of July party and Wes Anderson's latest, Asteroid City. I'm your host, Brad Jackson, and you're listening to the July 3rd, 2023 edition of Coffee and Koshan. So, Rich, it is that time of year. It is summer. It is 4th of July tomorrow. So we are here to uh, give our listeners quick tips on doing an awesome and uh, easy 4th of July party. Uh, Obviously, it's that time of year where you can get the grill out, get out the smoker, um, have people over for a good backyard party. And one of the easiest ways to help you do that, particularly if you're doing meat, I'm going to give you a tip for brisket. Uh, This also works if you're doing um, uh, other big cuts of meat. Uh, Sous vide the damn thing. Uh, Start now. Go get yourself a uh, cheap sous vide stick. They're not that expensive these days. You can get them on Amazon for less than 100 bucks. Um, Get a bucket that you just go buy, like like a storage bucket that you go buy at Target. Fill it up with water. Put whatever your piece of meat is in a uh, Ziploc bag with the air taken out. Put it in there, sous vide it for uh, like, so I'm, I'm doing a brisket for a thing on uh, uh, Tuesday for tomorrow. And um, we sous vide it for 36 hours. Then you just got to put it on the smoker for three or four. It gets the char, it gets the smoke flavor, but all the cooking is done in the sous vide and it comes out much juicier and it just makes it easier because as we've discussed on this show before, grilling is great. Smoking meat is awesome but it can be time intensive. And these days you don't always have that kind of time. So something like a pellet grill or sous viding it ahead of time can cut a lot of the, um, a lot of the errors and, and the, the uh, exhaustion and all that stuff out of it. Um, if you have to keep track of it and stay up late and yada, yada, and all that, take, take that out of the equation, sous vide it in a, in a bucket um, for 24, 36 hours, paint on the size and what you're cooking. And it'll make your life so much easier. Uh, I will give you a pro tip. Put the bucket in a bathtub. Because if that thing bursts or springs a leak, you don't want it in your kitchen or, you know, uh, in your garage or whatever. Just put it in a bathtub. If it springs a leak, no big deal. Um, It sounds like you're speaking from experience here. uh, I am. (laughs) (laughs) I will say the first time I did this, I did not sous vide it in the bathtub. And I learned the hard way. So <laughs> sous vide it in your bathtub in a bucket and it makes your life so much easier. I promise. It also takes the, not the guesswork, but some of the time out of smoking because anyone who smokes meat knows that you can run into the stall and you think you've got your timing down perfectly, but you hit that point where the moisture ratio Uh, causes your meat to just sit at like, you know, 165, 170, sometimes for six or eight hours. And if you're trying to prepare food for a party, that is not helpful to have that six or eight hour additional time added to your meat. Absolutely. Absolutely. And doing the sous vide method ensures that it is cooked evenly from tip to tail, whatever that meat may be. Um, and you don't have to worry about that because in the end, when you're smoking something, you're the, the smoke flavor is imparted within a few hours. The rest of that time spent on the smoker or on the grill or whatever is to cook the meat. 
So if you flip the the uh, the problem here and you cook the meat first and then put the smoke on it, it just makes it that much easier. Yeah, I am not going to sous vide, but I am going to do some uh, pork belly burnt ends, which we there discussed recently. And uh, what I think I'm going to do is maybe uh, just go ahead and smoke them uh, today and then finish them off in the oven for the party and just not worry about it. And then I'm also going to do like a either a smoked buffalo chicken dip or a smoked jalapeno popper dip. I haven't decided which. And kind of the same thing where it's a real quick smoke to get the, the ingredients for those dips ready. And then I could just pop it in the oven and be good. And that kind of brings me to another tip that uh, we discussed on our Christmas show a little bit or in, in a different way. And we were talking to Joe Wilson and he suggested the taco bar. And I'm really leaning towards things that people can eat while standing up. So we're going to have chips, dips, you know, you can eat the smoked, belly, uh, smoked pork belly burn ends. You can just, you know, with a toothpick or whatever, pop it in your, in your mouth. You don't have to have a sandwich. I think I'm going to do some sausage balls also, which we discussed at some point. And uh, just have a, you know, fruit and things like that for people who want to pretend to be healthy. But just have a bunch of things that people can kind of just graze on as we drink and, you know, socialize at the get together. Yes, and that's that's another good point. So uh, one of the things I like to do if I do brisket or I do uh, sausages or uh, something along those lines at, at a Fourth of July party, I like to get good fresh tortillas. You can get you can get somebody to make you tortillas. You don't have to do it the hard way. Um, uh, here in Texas, you can go to any HEB or Central Market. Um, Whole Foods also makes great fresh tortillas. Just go buy some tortillas, get a couple dozen of them, bring them home, uh, warm them up. And then people can put whatever their meat of choices that they want to eat in a tortilla, eat it like you said, standing up or leaning against your uh, the side of your house or your fence or whatever. And that way they don't need to sit down with a knife and a fork and that whole like that deal that just makes it a little more difficult uh, for everybody to eat. Like you said, just make it easy so that people can enjoy what you made and you don't need to worry about all the uh, the mess with it. Yeah, I mean, there's a time for a dinner party, but 4th of July is not that time. Yes, absolutely. The other thing you should do, if you're doing this last minute and you're like, man, how am I going to keep all these uh, people, um, you know, cool and everything? Like, get yourself just a big, cheap um, uh, bucket, uh, you know, like a, a container. Uh, you can get it, like, you know, uh, Target or, or Walmart or whatever. Fill it with some ice, throw in, throw in not just beer, but put in some, you know, maybe some sparkling water, some, some lemonades, uh, something like that uh, to keep everybody hydrated. Because as we all know, at this time of year, particularly here in Texas right now, and I know it is in Arkansas as well, it's hot, man. I mean, it is, it is roasty toasty outside. So yeah, make yeah, sure yeah. that you have your, you know, some, something for hydration. Yeah, y'all shared your heat with us. Uh, yeah, it, sorry, it blew that. in last week, and uh, yeah, these hundred degree days are uh, not fun. No, like we've already had something like fifteen or twenty days over a hundred already. I, I'm I've lost count. I, I'll be honest, I've lost count. It is crazy. Um, okay, so after you have everybody fed, you got you got everybody with a nice drink in their hand, keeping them cool. You might want to have something to watch, but but Rich. <laughs> you did a review of Wes Anderson's latest, Asteroid City, uh, which is in theaters right now. And and like you, I am a big Wes Anderson fan. Uh, I love Wes Anderson movies. 
Um, Fantastic Mr. Fox is one of my daughter's favorite movies. Um, we watch that all the time. In fact, we tend to watch it when when uh, our mutual friend Ben Dominic comes to visit. He likes to watch that with the kids. So um, we we are big Wes Anderson fans in this house. However, you said that that Asteroid City is just not up to par with some of his better films like Fantastic Mr. Fox, right? It sadly is not. Uh, it, it almost prompted me to walk out of the theater. It Ooh. was so bad. It, and you know, if you don't want the spoilers, you know, uh, I guess you could stop listening, not to encourage people to stop listening, but at the same time, nothing I'm about to say is going to spoil the movie for you because after it, my wife and I were in the car and she was Googling, what was this movie about? <laughs> That's a bad sign. <laughs> and I agreed, you know, maybe halfway, two thirds of the way through the movie, I was so angry at my confusion and at the fact that Wes Anderson, who is held to a high standard, you know, that's part of the problem with this movie is when you've got the track record that he has, you go into the theater with certain expectations. And when those expectations aren't met, it's even more disappointing than if he were no one. And this were just a movie you went to saw because the preview looked good, but you know, towards, you know, like I said, the halfway two thirds mark, I, I'm getting so angry that I'm like, you know, kind of shaking my fist at the screen and struggling not to start audibly expressing my frustration with everything that's going on. And it naturally visually is stunning. It hits all of those Wes Anderson moments that you would expect from one of his movies with, you know, the, 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 uh, the quick pans and the shots and things like that. But from a story perspective, he needed someone in the process of script writing to tell him no. And it just obviously didn't happen this time around. You know, it's interesting because I think, um, Wes Anderson has become a style unto himself, right? I mean, uh, you see those, if if you've ever been on social media ever, any kind of social media, you see those those clips of people reenacting like, uh, or finding Wes Anderson sort of moments within their life, whether it's the color palette or uh, the symmetrical uh, frame or whatever. Like, he has things that are just very Wes Anderson. And he's almost become a parody of himself sometimes. And it seems like this movie really leaned into that because, uh, as, as you said, it seems like it's all style, no substance, right? Right. And I mean, there is, of course, there's a huge ensemble cast. He's reached the point where everyone has to be in a Wes Anderson movie. So he can just, you know, get out his, his phone and look through his address book and call like 25 stars and they'll all agree to one movie you know, as opposed to a, a more normal production where you have a couple of stars, but then you've got the up and comers and things like that. You know, this guy's got Steve Carell, Margot Roby, Tom Hanks, uh, Jason, Jason Schwartzman, who is a star because of Wes Anderson uh, and just this huge ensemble cast. And there are all these storylines going on, but from a plot perspective, it's, it, it, it's, as if he made a Seinfeld movie, you know, with a joke about Seinfeld being it was a show about nothing, but that was never actually true. Each episode had its story arc with, you know, the conflict, the resolution, this and that. 
it just wasn't about, a, you know, a co cohesive thing like, you know, scrubs or something like that, where these are people who work in a hospital. It was just about Seinfeld and his friends. And it's almost as if Asteroid City is like that, but it's missing a lot of the humor and a lot of the resolution at the, like I said, at the end, it was just like, what was this all about? Like, why did I just spend an hour and 45 minutes watching this? It's amazing because, um, he, he tells great stories. Um, plenty of his movies before have been great. I, I don't know. Did you see the French dispatch? The one he did before this? I did, and I know people didn't like it, but I actually enjoyed that one. I liked it, but I did think at times it was a little disjointed. So did it sort of just, did, did he take it like a step too far, essentially, in this one? Yes. So it's very similar to the French Dispatch in that it has all of those different vignettes uh, working uh, somewhat together, but it it's just so contrived. Uh, the way all these people come together, even from a Wes Anderson standpoint, I realize saying contrived in Wes Anderson is kind of a silly thing, but it was, he just went too far. And like you said earlier, it's as though he's become a parody of himself uh, as Ben pointed out in an article he wrote for spectator world several months ago. Uh, he almost exclusively works with Roman Coppola now. And he used to, you know, work with uh, Owen Wilson or people like that on these scripts and it brought different perspective in. And with his last couple, it's almost like he's reached that the Stephen King phase of his career, uh, or at least Stephen King is presented on Family Guy. There's a sketch on Family Guy where Stephen King is sitting in his agent's office and the agent says, so what's your next book about? And uh, King just kind of looks around and grabs a lamp off the desk and shakes it as his agent. And he goes, it's about the lamp monster. Ooh, the scary lamp monster. And his agent says, you're just phoning it in now, aren't you? And he goes, yes, can I have my money? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, maybe this is an argument for why everyone in Hollywood needs an editor um, and someone to tell them no. Um, and I think that's actually important in life just in general is to have someone in your life who tells you like, hey, look, you're taking this too far, man. Um and maybe this is one of those cases. I, I I would make the argument that George Lucas did his best work when people told him no and gave him uh, guardrails. Um, if you look at like Empire Strikes Back, he didn't direct that one. He wrote it. And uh, there are plenty of great stories about how he and the director were at loggerheads multiple times over options and they told him no. And uh, the most famous uh, moment of that is um, uh, Harrison Ford deciding to say, uh, I know, when Princess Leia says, I love you. Um, George didn't want him to say that. <laughs> and they told him to <laughs> shut up and sit down. Um, so maybe it is that, that, that even when you're a great filmmaker, whether that be George Lucas or Steven Spielberg or Wes Anderson, that it's important that someone is there to tell you no. I would agree. Uh, and, you know, there were definitely people telling him no when he was this up-and-coming filmmaker with uh, shoestring budgets and, you know, his with Rushmore's second film, he pulled this huge coup in getting Bill Murray to agree to it. And that really made his career. And then he's made so many great films since then. But as he's become more successful and become a brand unto himself, it's, again, he needs someone, like you just said, he needs someone to tell him no. All right, let's go out with this. Um, are you a fireworks fan? 
I am a fireworks fan. Me too. I love fireworks. I love my, now my dog hates the fireworks. Oh yeah. I'm um, drugging my dog. <laughs> uh, so if you are also listening with a dog, be sure you take care of your dog uh, tomorrow night. Um, but I love fireworks. I love fireworks shows. I love seeing fireworks in person. I love seeing fireworks on TV. Um, uh, I am a little concerned. There are a lot of places that are replacing fireworks with these lighted drone shows. And I just don't think that's the same. No, I haven't heard of this. I am very fortunate. And the reason that we host 4th of July parties every year is just by luck. When we moved in 2020, we bought a house with a neighbor directly behind us where we've got a patio and a deck that looks onto our neighbor's backyard. And this neighbor puts on, I am not joking, a professional grade fireworks show that rivals that, that the city puts on. Nice. (laughs) It's insane. I mean, coordinated. I have no idea how many tens of thousands of dollars he spends on this, but it makes for a hell of a location to not have to worry and go somewhere with parking and just be able to sit in the backyard with your friends and see all that. And it also, uh, it takes some of the fun out of it because anything that I buy at the store, because I'm not spending that much money on fireworks are going to pale in comparison to what he does. But it also means I can just buy a lot of sparklers and fun stuff like that and let the kids have fun and, uh, then let him put on the, uh, do the work of putting on the actual show. Yeah. And honestly, as I get older, I'm all about that. (laughs) Yeah. Let, let someone else do that difficult stuff. <laughs> I'll sit back and enjoy that. And I've gotten more like my dog and you know, when I was a kid, I loved the black cats and just blowing shit up. But now it's like, I, I don't want all the like super noisy things. I just want them to be pretty. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, but, uh, this is one of my favorite holidays. Obviously it's a uniquely American holiday. And, uh, I, I think it's one of those, uh, times you can really enjoy being with friends and, and family, um, my 4th of July, I always spend with my British friends so that we get to rag on each other, um, <laughs> which is always entertaining. But um, uh, I think this is one of my favorite holidays. And uh, it's uh, having a, a good party in the backyard with your grill and uh, some nice cold drinks. That's a good way to go. Oh, yes. Yes. And happy Independence Day, everyone. Happy Independence Day, everyone. We'll see you next week, Rich. All right. See you next week, Brad.